This is part two of our conversation and uh, really our last conversation uh, on the middle class, explicitly at least, um, though we will pick up the topic in a different way uh, the following week. Um, so we hope you've listened to the first part. But if not, uh, this conversation will stand on its own. Uh, as always, thanks very much for listening. So at least Marxists have a next move. Right, agreed. I, I, don't, I don't get what the next move is in the hyper-focus and, and, and sort of like re-education of the country on the evils of being white. Mm. Like, I don't, wh- what's the next move? What, I mean, we talked about this the last time we, yeah, you know, we did. The, yeah. And, and, and I wanted to get back to that because it was towards the end of it. And, and I do think it's tied up with all this stuff. And, and while I do think extremes of inequality are a serious, serious, serious problem, very mm-hmm. serious. I don't, I, I mean, maybe the main part of the issue in the world and in this country right now, but what's mm. our next move? If we, if we say, you know, sort of black America, brown America, you know, whatever we start, we capitalize all the stuff we're supposed to capitalize. We, Mm. we recognize all the people we are supposed to recognize. We fill out the professorate. We hire, you know, the black CEOs. We push women into, we make them directors. We, you know, make them managers of football team, whatever, right? Every, every What's the next move? What happens to the roughly mm. 200 million, quote-unquote, white people? And right. what, how do you think they're going to react? Right. So right. I was listening to a podcast a couple mm. months ago where a woman was talking about where she saw the different movements happening. She saw that mm. there were different kinds of people, some of which have more or less access to media or being on major media outlets talking about what mm-hmm. that lo- would look like. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, they're the people who just are destroyers. They're just trying to destroy everything. They're not satisfied with stuff. They don't have really have the bandwidth that, say, a visionary may have or a manager might have. And I was thinking about what you said last podcast around calling white people, you know, just what, what would that accomplish? And mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure that out. But I know that my that my spidey senses go off when people remove statues and there and this idea that now racism's done or that <laughs> now there is a black woman who's a CEO therefore things are solved and right. i go i don't think those kinds of moves i think that they're largely um what do you call it um they're symbolic which is useful in some ways but not so useful in other ways if you can't really mm. get at what they represent or mm. what it is and so i feel really uncomfortable with the ways I think the larger movements are moving because they feel like, again, we moved the statue. What do you want? Or mm. <laughs> um, the, the, the inability to see past tomorrow mm-hmm. and in terms of what the culture could look like, what would a, what would a, a system, for example, of abolishing um, um, prisons or what is it called? Um, restorative justice look like i'm not seeing mm-hmm. the people that i think are having better thoughts and more interesting engaging thoughts about those things i'm seeing that the people who are hollering those are the people in the news those are the people on social media platforms if i go to community organizations there are a lot more thoughtful engaged people who can see what tomorrow might look like 
but it can't mm-hmm. look like what we're going in the direction we're going now. When mm-hmm. Kamala got the nomination, you would have thought, I mean, she and Biden both decided to dance their way, you know, through something. I'm like, <laughs> I, I get it, but this is so not enough. This is so pandering. This is so okay. We're going to vote for you. I mean, most of us don't have any. We, all, we don't have a choice. That's the first thing. Yeah, we don't have a choice. And so I do wonder about that other, what the future could look like if we're going on these trajectories, because they mm-hmm. do seem pretty um, uh, lame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, they, so, and they're not very intellectual and they're not very compassionate. So, so I think, I think yeah. one of the, I think one of the things that we're all sort of getting at, and it's a thing I, I've been thinking about for a while now is that representation is a dead end. Like representative politics yeah, yeah. is mm-hmm. a dead end. Yeah. So yeah. what we're trying to articulate to ourselves and to others is the next move after the displacement, if we're just going to do representation as the thing, like the next move after the displacement of statues and the displacement of white male CEOs, coaches, etc. Mm-hmm. the next move after that is we've already lived through it. It's just more resentment. It, 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 just yeah. resentment, resentment just moves camps, right? So mm-hmm. we, we're clear on yeah. that. So what we're talking about is trying to uh, imagine something mm-hmm. that is not that dead end, right? That's, mm-hmm. That is not just about representation because it's not going to do it. It's not, that's not the revolution. And, no. and I, 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 I've been trying to say this in certain circles too, um, I mean, the, the analogy, and it's a, it's a really obvious one, but the analogy I use is like, it's not about having black people in positions of power necessarily because Clarence Thomas is black. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, just a, just a small example. A, exactly. exactly. Like, that's the problem. This motherfucker is black and look at him. He's ridiculous. And he's corrosive. To, uh, Cor- to Co- well, Clarence Thomas is an interesting example because um, what's his, uh, Corey Robin, the political theorist uh, mm. at uh, City University, out where you guys are in New York, he just has a, had a book that came out on Clarence Thomas. His argument for Clarence Thomas is that essentially Thomas believes that racial uh, bias is... Uh, is irredeemably and inextricably woven into the fabric of the country. Mm. And that in fact, all that these more progressive liberal policies do is obscure um, that, uh, that fact. And that the very best thing that black Americans can do is obtain political power because that is the only thing that matters. So Mm. whether Corey Robin is correct or not, I mean, this is a unique reading of Thomas it's to not be clear. A, it's not that. Oh, I mean, it's not that unique because there are two other biographies that I have, and they kind of mention that, or they don't mention it. Right. They don't in say his, it. in his <clears throat> earlier work. So, mm-hmm. Robin Robin suggests right. So he was no, he was uh, more radical in his earlier writings. Tom, uh, Robin suggests that essentially there is a a thread. There's a skein that okay. leads from that okay. to his to his current opinions on the mm. bench, and so it. If, if in fact that's true, and, and mm-hmm. I am not qualified to evaluate whether that argument is true or not, I do find it mm. interesting and compelling, and Robin is a very good writer. Uh-huh. Um, but if that is true, what Thomas represents is the very apotheosis of the position that seems to be 
mushrooming on social media. Essentially, that America is irredeemably, irredeemably racialized and that whiteness is down to its core an inextricable aspect of being mm. a U.S. American. And I actually appreciate the the specificity on that, Seth, because America is very large, right? Mm-hmm. And two, mm-hmm. two big continents, right? So mm-hmm. and we're, you know, we're a small part of it. So, um, mm-hmm. so it, and, and I like on principle and on intuitively, I reject, absolutely reject that reading mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of what America can mean. That mm. is not why our detention centers are they, – all these people are not diluted. Mm. I do not think that the, the millions, hundreds of millions of people, you know, probably up near a billion people that have admired the United States and have made the United States what it is as a world power over mm-hmm. the last 100 years, I do not believe that all those people are diluted. Mm. I, I think that it is conceivable and possible for – people to come together in free association with their national identity being the bedrock of that. And that we can eventually get to a point where things like race and gender and who you want to, where you want to put your dick or what you want to put in your body sexually, just is not even on the table of Mm -hmm. not even on the list of things that are interesting to talk about when it comes to people's politics or social Mm -hmm. position. And so uh, Thomas, who you revile, uh, Seth and mm-hmm. Stephen, and and I do as well. I mean, oh, I love that him. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> but we might but have him he, over for dinner. <laughs> he he is the distillation of that view. If Robin is correct, and mm. that's the last move. Like so, that I don't right now. You know, and and all the stuff you mentioned, Stephen, about those statues and all that kind of stuff. I I'm completely on board with that. It's. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff feels to me like just like Beatlemania for race. Mm-hmm. Like it's just Ooh. it's just a bu- it's just a bunch of like people swooning and feeling themselves and lighting, you know, candles at night because they have, you know, like fallen for Beyonce and Jay-Z and all the things that that represents. And at the end of that is just exhaustion and disillusionment. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 I don't even know how to, because Beyonce came up in my mind because my friend just gave me his credentials to get into Disney Plus to watch Black is King because I was like, I'm not uh, watching that shit. But he, <laughs> but he's a great thinker and but another friend of free, so and there's a lovely <laughs> friend of mine um, who who listens to us all the time. Her name is um, Stephanie. Stephanie loves our talks and she's wonderful. And I shout out to you, Stephanie. She also offered me her um, credentials. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for listening. And I said, <laughs> no, I don't want to watch that. But Stephanie, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to call you and tell you what I think. Um, but yeah, that that I, I was telling Stephanie that Beyonce, I'm not her audience. Mm-hmm. I'm not her audience. I like to think that her audience, I like to think people start at something simple and then build complexity from it and nuance and mm-hmm. say, this, this was what I needed to kind of get here to this thing here, but I really want to be over here if the things that I value um, are the things I actually value, then I need to move. I can't just stay static. Mm. So that's why I think sometimes people who seem to be like, you know, they're just, you know, they're the titans of culture. I'm like, well, start there, but then like critique them 
Or mm-hmm. and if you really love something, you will critique it. You can hold it close and critique it and accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, where does that go? Black is king, and then you have a bunch of people like there were Africans in different parts of the um culture who when Beyonce's Black is King came out, they were like, This isn't Africa. This <laughs> fairly this thir- this <laughs> continues to mythologize what Africa is in a Wakandan right. kind of way. Right. And and I'm like, Yeah, yeah. So like would it have hurt to actually go into Africa in a different way? And mm. Beyonce has all the right to do the creative thing that she wants to do. Her platforms mm. are fairly large, but a more complex, thoughtful, engaged way. That's, that's some other steps in my mind mm. for people who do that kind of work, because it's easier to do beautiful brown people in, 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 um, in crowns or whatnot, which is really mm-hmm. kind of like distractions. Really distractions. Mm. And they kind of agree. This To me, they reify a certain kind of classism and yes. hierarchy that I des- Absolutely. despise. I despise. And so, therefore, yes. nobody can get away with it. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I grew up in the era, and, 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 well, basically we all did. But I was particularly sensitive to the mythology around kings and queens. Um, I remember when I was sure, an undergrad, yeah. Long Island University, Brooklyn campus, um, People starting to wear kente cloth things and, and certain kinds of um, head coverings, kufis and whatnot. Uh, oh, so you went to school with um, Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> That's funny. And Chuck? You're funny. Yeah, you're funny. <laughs> That's the best way you can answer that, Seth. Is <laughs> That's the best way to answer that. Good, good one. <laughs> Go ahead, <Seth>. um, <laughs> The thing about that that always bothered me, and my, I, I had a professor – in school, what was his name? Was his name Donald? Donald something, who said it really well. He said, yeah, you know, the thing about this idea that we all come from kings and queens is that weren't there some town drunks? Like, you know, like, 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 you know, and, and let's expand that out. Like, weren't there some civil engineers? Weren't there some, you know, um, um, people who sold newspapers? Um, well, they wouldn't have been newspapers, but it would have been, um, whatever, clay tablets. They, aren't there, uh, isn't there a range of possibility for mm. uh, socioeconomic status and way of life, um, um, gainful employment that would mirror in some ways the kind of culture society that we have now? And to assume that um, way back in this in this misty past, right? <laughs> that, misty past, <laughs> right? That that Stephen and I, Stephen and I were like walking around. As we were kings, like we were, ki- mm-hmm. like we had, like we had, we had our consorts, and we were kings, <laughs> and we were carrying like the, some sort of scepter or something, and we had the the kufi going, and 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 we would greet each other. We'd be like, "Hey, king, what what's up, king? <laughs> How you feel today, king?" <laughs> That's all I called you. I just called you king. I didn't even, you know, I don't even know your first name. <laughs> <laughs> we just call each other king. What's up, king? These so, are, you know, it, but they're just it, poor imagination projects in some ways. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think it's you funny. Know, I think you and, guys and I want to nuance that because I think that they're useful in some ways, but in other ways, I feel like if that's the end of the the sentence, the end of the paragraph, you close mm. the book. That's where I go. No, no construct. Yeah. Get lost. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually really like. Um, I like the. Uh, discomfort, and I like the. I, I really welcome the criticism of that sort of metaphor, that artistic tool, because I do think it's pretty un-American. 
I mean, the thing that is the thing that is most aspirational about the 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 country was captured by Walt Whitman, and and the thing that the thing that distinguishes you amidst the universe is that you are an individual, and the thing that distinguishes a democracy is that it is an army of individuals. It is mm. not a king. There is no divine right. Mm. What is what is right and what is just is in the body of the people, and the body mm. of the people is not a monarchy. Mm. And it is not something to aspire to. I mean, King James and all this. Like, I mean, you know, some some of it seems like a natural reflex because we asper in sort of in our founding. Even though not in reality, we had a very uh, clearly stratified society between Black Americans and, and White Americans uh, mm-hmm. and men and and everyone else as uh, to go along with it. So, but in it certainly in our rhetoric it was that we are individuals and democracy is kind of the bedrock. And so it seems it seems sort of natural that we would, in our creative projects, reach for the thing that we are not, right? So mm-hmm. you, know, you reach for the idea of royalty, you do all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. I mean, so I get, I get that that is just, that sort of is part of the creative process. Mm-hmm. But, but we don't see, as a community, there seems to be a growing rupture around even the very idea that a democracy, a plurality of voices, and sort of the rough and tumble disagreement of of deeply cherished beliefs is not something to to be to be defended on its own. It's people that are that are different are to be banished, and and that is a kind that's a kind of royalty, that kind of parsing of place. It, to, to be banished from Louis's sight, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't wipe the king's ass today. You need to go out. You, you need to be banished to some other palace. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking about the Trumps and the Kennedys, and I'm thinking of other mm. sort of family dynasties, and it's so that that royal language and that kind of feeling and that cultural. Um, what are the Kennedys doing today? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when the Kennedys were People Magazine would cover quote unquote the royal family. You know, yeah. so it's it's mm-hmm. in there. The language is in there, and that. And I think it even even our language, which is pretty, you know, travels really quickly. Have, saying this is my little princess, this is my little that mm. that that, and and thinking of it as a good thing, it's sort of like agreeing with the very thing that you mm. claim on one level to dis dis um, want to dismantle. Mm-hmm. So you don't get there are too many things I think are pushing towards. Um, monarchy and these kinds of things. Trump is a great example of that. He's a great mm-hmm. example. He's not the only one. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been the only one for a while. No, no, for sure that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, I just <laughs> I, I think where we're where we've arrived at is is it's just various ways that um the US American imagination is severely limited. Um and it's yeah. maybe and it's maybe just running out of steam. I mean it's it's very possible that we're living in a time where so there's a bunch of these myths, right, that sit side yeah. by side. They sit, they sit in the same sort of classroom, um, um, uh, middle classness, um, the mythology of a of a of a royal pla- a royal past for people of African descent, um, the mythology of representation being able to like to get us to the next stage of uh, creating a society that's actually equitable. Mm. All these myths just sort of sit together, and and I think what we're saying is that they're kind of they're kind of wrapped up in each other, and they may and they may actually, in some ways, reinforce or generate each other, right? Um, 
and that the whole thing as a melange of socioeconomic political being mm-hmm. seems to be moving towards some kind of precipice. That's what it feels like right now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, a big part of what we do here is that, you know, the idea that hope is a choice. And so I do, I, mm-hmm. I do obviously, depending on the day, agree with, with your concern that we might be running out of steam. Of course, I know that that is a possibility, but I mean, at least at this point, my, my, my hope, which again is, is a choice to make is that we're on the verge of a renewal. And then, and in in fact, it's just a long century of undoing that awful, awful, awful stain, Mm. which is the history of of black bodies in Mm. this country and and all of the variations on that theme. Mm. Mm. And that Mm -hmm. that just that takes a really long time. Hmm. It takes a really I long think, time. I, I agree. I like the renewal part. I'm I'm a little bit Seth. I'm a little bit Travis here. <laughs> Depends on the day. A little country. A little country, a little a rock little and rap. roll, a little bit Donnie, a little bit Marie. And, but I, I was think I when you guys were talking, it occurred to me that one of the things I think that when you were describing this melange was that there's also impatience, entitlement, and laziness. So this mm. idea that, for example, Salam put a piece out a while ago called Americans' inability to cope with boredom is spurring on the spread of the coronavirus. Mm. And that not 50 years ago, not 100 years, I mean, not even you know earlier, like this idea that you need to be out somewhere or that you need to do something when there's a pandemic and your mm-hmm. best course of action is to self-isolate um, and, and to take care of yourself and other people around you, how... You know, just watching people who filmed other people sort of acting out like this was a, some, you know, it was against their civil liberties to be outside. Right. <laughs> like there wasn't there was this disconnect between what was being said. These are your best choices. <laughs> right. And I want to party. I want to go to right. Florida. I want to right. do this. Right. And then seeing the rate, seeing the um the coronavirus the infection um, rate, infection yep. rate, you know, sky mm-hmm. skyrocket, and still be sort of like, I'm <sighs> <sighs> <And> like, <laughs> so the when I'm on the Seth side, I'm going, oh, we're doomed. <laughs> we're doomed because if we're only thinking of ourselves, mm-hmm. but it, but I'm on the Travis side. If people are like going, we've got continued our community development, better education, better food, holding people accountable, um, and then just like really becoming so much more compassionate towards other people. Then I'm mm. I'm more there, honestly, than I am with Seth. I'm perpetually optimistic. I feel like there's a way to undo this and to mm. and to really learn. But if we're if we're along the way if we're making these inroads and we're not learning, that's when I then I go, oh God, we're gonna go yeah. through this again because now the statue's gone, but what in in lieu of what? Like what's I think there? The, I think the COVID nineteen is a good analogy, though. But I think I probably have a slightly different. I mean, I wasn't in New York, so I can't imagine. I mean, so that clearly has to shape your impression of of the pandemic. But you know, I am a little sick of the perpetual kvetching about the coronavirus. And I am, a, I think that it's not nuts for young people who are by their nature um, kind of carefree and 
And as we know, you may, although you may not know if you're watching CNN and stuff like that, are at an incredibly, incredibly small chance of getting seriously sick or dying. That it's not crazy that these people would want to go enjoy their bodies and their and fair their enough. To, yeah, so fair to, enough. To, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that is the best choice, but I have a 23 year old son. Like, I'm super familiar with like bad choices, and having been a 23 year old male, <laughs> right. I'm no, super familiar it. with bad choices. Right. So I don't want to so come up to sanctimonious. I get you. I, so no, I, I get you. I actually, yeah. I actually don't feel that way. I mean, you. That's not you, Stephen. But that is absolutely the the snapshots on Instagram of people at the beaches or at the parks and stuff like that. It is a kind of uh, sanctimony around the you know the stupidity of these people that want to enjoy themselves. Mm -hmm. Like I, it's it, it really. So I'll give you a perfect example. So the, mm -hmm. um, in it is it, it was reported with incredible like sort of verve and passion that s cases were spiking in Houston and cases were spiking in Florida and cases were spiking in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Do you know which states had shortages of beds or ICUs? None of them. Do you know which states mm. had had spikes in deaths? None of them to any significant degree. So uh, anyway, we just had a we had a we had a technical uh, problem. So I, I switched uh, recording devices. So anyway, I, I mean, honestly, we don't really have time to get into it because I, I, there's no way for me to make my argument without sounding like a denialist or a crank, which I'm not. I, I'm all <laughs> for like in all of the precautions that are necessary to protect uh, the vulnerable. Um, and I'm all for, you know, like sort of common sense measures to protect the communities. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I know you, I, you, you made a, you made a face, but that is sort of what, I mean, the, the coronavirus and COVID-19 definitely is sort of like one of those signal issues. Like you mm -hmm. either are all for, you know, team social distance or you're all for like team. I hate masks. Right. And the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the the, no. the space, the space for occupying, well, no, we probably should wear masks. Like that makes sense. But we also probably don't need to have everything shut down and keep kids at home. Like that space like doesn't exist in popular media. Like where's mm. it at? Where's it at mm. on social media? Mm. You're right on popular media. But earlier, the face I was making was when you said that there's no way for you to make your point without appearing to be a crank. I'm like, no, we need all of that. Say it. I don't care. You shouldn't care. We've talked about this before. Just <laughs> right. put I it do care, out though. there. <laughs> and I care too. I care too about how I come off and stuff. I rarely ever say it though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I rarely ever say it um, for several reasons, but, but I, I, there really is a middle ground. You're right. Between mask up or you know, or or, Jan, or is it Janine Pirro? Is that her name? Yeah. Well, I want to tell you something. <laughs> yeah. uh, that woman. Uh, oh my god! I, I try not to listen to what people are listen to what they're saying versus how they're saying it, and she is a challenge. She is a challenge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's one word for her. <laughs> All right, maybe maybe we should end on that note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, cool. it's, it's it's too it's a. Uh, there's a lot to get into with that. So, uh, I mean, you know, uh, anyway. can we can we talk next time? Can we talk about the um, Emily Nussbaum quote, which you took uh, particular umbrage with, uh, oh, the, Travis? That that white women are going to save the day. 
No, no. And then what what she said was, <laughs> in 2016, she said, this election will be decided by how much white women still hate themselves. Uh, that was the issue, yeah. yeah. Yes. Didn't I already That's I said something said. about that, too, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, I yeah, want to. I, I want to talk about. I, I want to get into that. that. I'm yeah. very happy to do. Okay, that sounds good. Um, All right. So as always, thanks for the conversation. Definitely. Take care. Bye. Later. Bye.